<clears throat> and I'm driving back to Phelan, right? And I'm seeing these clouds going, no, that's Pinion Hills, that's Pinion Hills. I just live straight north from here, right? And <laughs> I'm turning on Johnson Road, I'm going, you're kidding me. And so it just, somebody said, thanks, man. Thanks for washing your car because we needed some rain. <laughs> no problemo. Hey, be praying for, we have a team down in Mexico. Uh, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Jacob are down there with a team of eight more people. Um, again, they, uh, Daniel and Jacob and Blanca had gone down there earlier this year to go check this place out. Pastor Daniel was familiar with this place when he was down with uh, Calvary Chapel Santa Fe Springs. And so uh, we have a team of 10 down there. They had a full day of ministry yesterday, and I'm sure we'll hear, hear a little bit about it next week. But uh, they should be on their way home this afternoon, so pray for them. So this morning we get started in a new chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 10. We have been seeing or looking at the king's authority through this portion of Scripture um, in the Gospel of Matthew. And what we see here is we've been looking at the authority, of King, Jesus' authority. Uh, what we see in this chapter is that Jesus shares his authority with his disciples. He transferred that to them in, in, in one sense. Um, I, I, I love it here because what we see here is that the disciples are getting a taste of what it will be like when Jesus is no longer with them. <clears throat> physically speaking. They're kind of going out. They're being sent out, if you will, um, on their own (laughs) for a particular mission. They have been able to see Jesus use this authority, and they've been a part of that for the most part, watching it happen in people's lives and seeing Jesus, how he did these kinds of things. But now they themselves are going to be able to experience this authority that comes from him as they're being sent out. But it won't be in their own power. He gave them power. He transferred that authority over to them, that power. And I just am am in awe of that, that he would let them have this kind of power. And so chapter 10, we'll cover the first 15 verses. It says, And when he had called the twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Libius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These Twelve, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but rather 
but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you or hear nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Lord, bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go back to the beginning here of chapter 10, where it says that he had called the 12, he had called the 12 disciples to him and gave them power. Now, it should be no surprise after what we covered last week as we finished chapter, chapter 9, that as Jesus was having compassion over the multitudes, and he's telling his disciples, look, look, look at these guys, man. They, they look like sheep without a shepherd. It, it, it's no surprise that he would look at them and they would look at him and, and see the compassion in him and that they themselves would also gather from him, man, he really loves these people. And, 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 and almost sensing it within themselves, man, what can we do? Because he told them, hey, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. So it's no surprise that maybe they're having this compassion themselves. And as he has compassion over the multitude, that the disciples themselves have a compassion for the multitude and desiring to be one of those who goes out into the harvest. And so... Before he sends them out, he called them to him. And the word called means to call forward oneness or uh, to, call, to call towards oneself, i.e. summons, invite, to bid, to come. Now, now we all know that Jesus had already called these twelve to follow after him sometime before this whole thing happened. Again, more than likely, Jesus has been on the scene for about a year now. And so they've had this time with Jesus that he has called them out of what they were doing. They have left everything behind, and now they are following after him. So he has called them to follow, but now he is calling them to himself 
for, a spe- for some specific instructions before he sends them out on a particular mission. Now, as he has called the 12 disciples to give them this specific instructions or these specific instructions, he also, it says, gave them power. He gave them power. And the word power here means in the sense of ability, privilege, i.e. subjectively force, capacity, competency, freedom, or objectively mastery, concretely magistrate, superhuman potentate, token of control, delegated influence is what the Strong's tells us this word power means. Words like authority, jurisdiction, liberty, right, and strength are also associated with this power that he is handing over to them. He's giving them authority. He's giving them jurisdiction to use his power. The power that we've already seen in Jesus' life as he has been out and about touching people's lives. And we've seen the miracles that have been happening as he touches people. That, that even, even the nature itself is under his control and he has power over nature. And he has given these guys, these fishermen, this tax collector, these people that he's calling out of wherever they're coming from. He says, here, I'm going to give you power, my power. <laughs> I just think it's phenomenal because they're ordinary guys. Who has vetted these guys for real? <laughs> Can they handle this much power? <laughs> who are they? They're just ordinary people who decided to follow after Jesus when he called them. And because they have spent time with him and he has taught them along the way, he is now <laughs> giving them power. Again, this is the type of power that the disciples, these 12 disciples, had seen. They had seen in action over unclean spirits. He, 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 they've seen him heal people and diseases. Now this power was, would be given over to them for a specific time. And I say for a specific time because we won't see this always in these 12 disciples while Jesus is with them. It's huge. <laughs> because he's only giving them this power for right now for this particular mission. And this text that we are in right now does not really apply to the church as a whole. The church has not started. Now, that's not to say that we cannot apply some of these principles into our lives. But in the context of our text here, we need to understand and we need to keep in mind that this is a particular mission that was specific for these disciples at this time. And we will cover more of those specifics as we continue on.
You see, the principles of the Word of God are always to be applied in our lives as believers. We can't take ourselves out of this because it would be really easy for me as I'm going to be sharing with you to say, well, that was just for them at that time. It doesn't apply to us. Now, we do have to keep that in mind that he is sending them for a specific mission or, or purpose and a particular mission. We need to keep that in mind. But the principles overall of the Word of God are always there for us. Because I've heard people say, when they read certain portions of Scripture, well, that was for them, it's not for us. Or, or that was for this age, but not for this age. And I understand that because there's, there's things in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, that he's writing to specific people for a specific time. And we can take ourselves out of the equation and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. And it's understandable. But the principles overall that we are learning in the Scriptures, they apply to us all the time. You see, I, I'm the type of guy that when I'm studying and when I'm getting ready to teach, I want to know how does this apply to me today? That's what I want to share with you and convey to you that when you come here, we want to read God's Word. We want to understand what it says. We want to know everything about what God's Word says. But I don't want you just to be full of knowledge. I want you to be able to apply this to your life as well in our everyday life. But again, it would be so easy to say, guys, this morning, nothing applies to you. You're going, sweet, man. No conviction. <laughs> no conviction today. No, no, like, I got to go do these things, you know. That was for them. It's not for us. Again, understand that when we come across particular missions, assignments, or tasks, there's a reason behind why he says certain things in the scriptures. Now, now that the 12 disciples have been with him for some time now, it is now time to give them opportunity to use what they have seen in and through Jesus. Because it was for nothing. It wasn't for nothing that they hung around with Jesus. He was going to use them in a powerful way. And, and in this instance, in our text, he is giving them this opportunity of what it will look like without him physically as he sends them out on this mission. Jesus was not going to go with them, but he was going to give them power. He was going to transfer that kind of power that he possessed to them. But this was not going to be something that they would have to muster up themselves. They didn't have to muster up this power. It was being given to them by power itself, by the source itself, by authority himself. In other words... They didn't have to manufacture the power of God over unclean spirits, sickness, and disease. They just had to be distributors of it. Mere conduits, if you will, of the one who gave them power. So it says that he gave them power over unclean spirits, 
to, uh, to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. They were just going to be the conduits. That's all they were going to be. And then in verse 2 and 3, it gives us the names of the 12 apostles. Interestingly enough, this is the first time that they are referred to as apostles. They had been and will again be referred to as disciples. But this is the first time they're called apostles. And a disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who follows a teacher and learns his wisdom. That's a disciple. The word apostle in the Greek is apostolos. And it means to delegate specially an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ, apostle, with miraculous powers, a messenger, he that is sent, is what the word apostle means. So here we have the names of the 12 apostles. Those who would be sent out as his ambassadors for this particular mission. And as the Gospel of Matthew of Mark tells us, he sent them out two by two. Why two by two? The buddy system as we would call it nowadays. So that they could co-labor together in fellowship. So that they could hold one another up. So that they could be accountable to one another. And maybe even because this way we would be able to get both sides of the story, not just one account. And two are always better than one. And so he sends them out two by two. They weren't going to be alone in this. They weren't going to be these lone wolves who, who, who did it their way. And, 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 and it's interesting because people become lone wolves in, as Christians. And all of a sudden, man, they're just kind of veering off and they have no one to say, hey, get back on track. And so he sends them out two by two. And more than likely, there are three sets of brothers in the 12 disciples or apostles that we have here. You have... Uh, Peter and, and Andrew, James and John, and, and, and Philip and Bartholomew, who is also known as Nathaniel, that we read in, in uh, John chapter 1. And they probably were paired up in the way that we read them. That they went out together to go do ministry. And then in verse 5, it says... These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go the way into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now the phrase sent out in the Greek is one word, and it is apostolos is that the Greek word for sent out. And that's where we get our word apostle from. But this word here, sent out, means set apart, i.e. by implication, to send out properly on a mission, literally or figuratively, the Strong's tells us. 
So they are sent out as apostles. Now, now we might not be called apostles today, and we might not have apostles today, although some sectors of Christianity might have apostles or, or name them. But, but, but even when you go back to, to the word itself, apostles, there, there, there's some guidelines and some, 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 I guess, guidelines that you would use to say this would be an apostle in, in this way for that time. But even though we might not call ourselves apostles, we are still set apart and we are still called to be sent out on mission wherever we are and wherever we go. We are sent out. And so it says that Jesus sent out these 12 and commanded them, saying. And the word command means to transmit a message, i.e. by implication, to enjoin, charge, command, declare. So these apostles are sent out to transmit a message But it wasn't for everyone, this message. They're not sent out for everyone. And this is why I kind of reminded you and said earlier that this does not apply to the church in general. These apostles were only to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Those who were weary and scattered and looked like sheep having no shepherd as we read last week. They were to go only to those who were Jews. And at this time, where where, where God has been absent in the nation of Israel for at least 400 years, they had looked like uh, sheep having no shepherd. And it's interesting because the religious leaders of the day were supposed to be the shepherds of the nation of Israel. But instead, they had become more like hirelings. They had made made it a business for them. They weren't taking care of the people's spiritual needs. In other words, they had kind of shrugged off the responsibility of being those those shepherds to to Israel and pointing them to the true shepherd that they knew would be coming on the scene any day now. They should have been aware of what was going on. And when Jesus came on the scene, they should have remembered what Daniel taught about and what Isaiah taught about, that he would come and be doing these kinds of works. But they had shrugged off those responsibilities and they had basically become the enemies of God because they had become the enemies of Jesus. And they looked more like wolves than shepherds. John 1.11 says that He came, that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. You see, Jesus came to the Jews. He he, he was a Jew and he was born as a Jew and he came to the Jews because salvation is of the Jews. He says in in John chapter 4. But the hour would come, he said, that it would be open for all. But this particular mission here, was to the lost sheep of Israel. And they were not to go the way of the Gentiles. They were not to talk to those who were not Jews. It was only specifically to the Jews. Here's your mission. This is where you're going. And they were not supposed to go into the city of the Samaritans. 
because the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. If you've been with us on Thursday nights, we've been going through First and Second Kings, and we've seen the divide between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom that 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 had the twelve, the ten tribes, their main city was Samaria. And when they eventually got taken captive by the Assyrians, they started to intermarry and to do all these kinds of things outside of their Jewish culture. Even before they left, they had already started going after other gods. And so when they came back, they were so mixed up that they weren't pure anymore. And and the Jews from the southern kingdom considered them half-breeds. And that's why they, they, they just had this thing against the Samaritans. Even in, in, in Nehemiah's day, they, they tried to help and were, were kind of shoved away and then they became more of an enemy to them. And so he says, don't go to the Gentiles and don't even go to the Samaritans. You just go to the, the, the lost sheep of Israel. And this is what makes this particular mission different from the great commission that Jesus would give to these same apostles, minus Judas Iscariot, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And that was for the entire church. This was a specific time for a specific people, whereas the Great Commission would be for all the nations. And once again, this is why I said earlier that this really does not apply to the church, what we're covering here. But that doesn't mean that we cannot apply these same principles into our lives. Because there are times, even in our lives as Christians today, there are times where where God gives us specific instructions for a particular mission. And sometimes it's for a time and sometimes it's for a season that maybe He would draw us away to do something different. Not off the wall, but just different or specific. And people might say, well, why aren't we doing this? Well, that's not where God's called us right now, you know? And so there's times that He does call us for specific purposes in our lives. And and, and as individuals and even as a church. But the overall principles, they never change. We are to stay biblical in all that we do, whether He's called us to do this or to do that, to go here or to go there. And in verses 7 and 8, He says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And I love that phrase, that first part. And as you go, the inference, the implication, the suggestion here is that as you are on your way with the command to to transmit the message. In other words, being a Christian does not mean that you stand still and do nothing. There's always something to be doing in the kingdom of heaven. There's always instructions that God has given us to to move forward. We're not to be at a standstill as individuals and as a church. We are always to be on the move, taking ground for the kingdom of heaven, some way, somehow. 
however that might look. And I know that we have those boring days or those boring times where it says, man, I just didn't talk to anybody. But if your life is consistent in walking with Christ, then you will always be taking ground, whether it's, it's growing yourself or, or ministering to people outside this place. As you are going to us, to me, that's an encouragement that I am not to stop. I am to keep going, whether I'm behind the pulpit or not behind the pulpit. Whether I'm the pastor or not the pastor, I am to continue to do what God has called me to do. And so I love this phrase because he's telling them, as you go, preach. As you go, preach, proclaim, herald, do, do what I've called you to do. And, and I love the fact that he gives them the same message that John the Baptist preached and the same message that Jesus himself preached when, when he was calling men unto themselves. So he's sending them out and says, hey, go and preach the message that you've heard me preach. There's nothing new. You don't have to manufacture a new message. You just go out there and preach what, I have to, what you've seen in me. What you've heard in me, go out and preach that same message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That meant that they were calling people that did not know who Jesus was yet. They were going out to the lost sheep who had not heard the message. And so not only were they going out to preach the message with the authority given to them, but this message that they had would validate, substantiate, and authenticate, or would be authenticated through the healings, the cleansings, the raising of the dead, and the casting out of demons. They were given power to do what they had seen Jesus doing all along in their midst. But they weren't going out there to be show-offs. They weren't going, man, I got this much power. Man, oh man, I'm going to bring in the crowds and I'm just going to start healing them up. I'm just going to be casting out the the, the sick. I'm going to be raising the dead. It wasn't none of that. They were to preach the message and and would, would authenticate the message would be all these signs and wonders that would follow. That wasn't going to go before them. They were going to preach the message and the signs and wonders would follow. And that's the way it always is. When there's people, when there's, there's churches, or when there's things that, that it is all about the healing and not the message, it's wrong. They've put the cart before the horse. <laughs> it's a message. It's always a message. The signs and wonders always follow later. It's always like that. Jesus didn't say, hey, man, you guys go do all this crazy stuff, and when you have time, share the message. No, as you go, as you are on your way, you proclaim, you herald, you preach the message that I've told you to preach. Freely you have received, freely give. I, I like the way the Amplified puts that portion. It says, freely, without pay, you have received, freely, without charge, give. In other words, if you have done nothing to receive it, why in the world... Would you have others do something for what you've received so freely? Why would you do that? Why would you make it that complicated? This just reiterated the fact that they had done nothing to receive this power. 
They didn't do anything to receive. They didn't buy it off of Jesus like, hey, I want this much power. How much is that going to cost me? I'll give you all the power. It costs you nothing. It's my power. They were merely the conduits, the outlets. They didn't have to manufacture any of this power that they had received. They were just to distribute it freely. They were not to sell what had been given to them so freely. As opposed to what the religious leaders had had begun to do in the nation of Israel. They started doing stuff that made it harder and harder for the people to worship God. And they had, they had, it had become a whole money-making scheme for these guys. Jesus is going, you're, you're not going to do that. You're not going to make it hard for anybody to receive what you've received freely. And I think even for us, when we received His salvation freely and by grace, why in the world would we start putting stumbling blocks and, 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 and things in front of people that say, well, if you do these things, then God will, will save you. We did nothing. Salvation is free. It's by grace and grace alone. And there is nothing that we have to do to, to, to receive salvation. So why would we make it difficult or complicated for anybody else? Verse 9 says, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. On this particular mission, on this one, they were not to take anything with them. They were solely to rely upon those who would receive them and the message that they brought with them. In in other words, they were going to be put in uncomfortable situations where they could not rely on what they had or how much they had of it. (laughs) They could not rely on any of that, on this particular mission. Not only would they have to rely on others, people that they have never even met yet, They would have to rely on them. But they would have to rely on the fact that the Lord was leading them into those places. (laughs) Because he just said, hey, don't go here, go everywhere else. And again, it was for a specific time and for a specific or particular mission. Because later on, Jesus would say this to the same disciples at the end of his ministry in Luke chapter 22, verses 35 to 38. He said to them, when I sent you out without money, knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, "Look, Lord, look, we have two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. You see, now he was sending them out for good. (laughs) 
because he would be dying that next morning. And I love the fact that he reminded them, hey, when I sent you out, remember that time in Matthew chapter 10? (laughs) Remember when I sent you out and I said, don't take anything? And you guys are probably going, you're kidding. You know? He said, did you lack anything? And their response was, nothing, Lord. They didn't lack a thing when he sent them out with nothing. Their whole reliance was upon him. And he is sending them out for that particular time or or mission in that specific time. And now he had other things for them to do. And he says, hey, make sure you're, you're geared up because I'm sending you out again. Uh, Understanding specific times and particular missions are important for us as believers. The overall mission for us as Christians is to reach the whole world with the gospel. That is always in play, always. But we see something very specific in our text that he is trying to teach them at this moment, to rely solely on the power that he has given them and what they were supposed to go do and not do. He, he, he was specific in these things. In, in, in verse 11, he says, Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is worthy, who in it is worthy, and stay there till, uh, till, you, go, till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And, when, and whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Jesus had already given them instructions as to where they were not to go. But when it came time, or came to all these other places where they could go or should go, he gave them instructions of what they were supposed to do as well. And I love the fact that Jesus is very precise, exact, given to detail here. Even when they really didn't know what to expect, He just said, don't go to these places. Go everywhere else where there's Jews, the lost sheep of Israel. He didn't say, and you will meet this man and this man and this woman. And, 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 you know, they will take you here and they will do this. He just said, when you, as you go, as you come in, As, as long as you know what you're not supposed to be doing, when you know what you're supposed to be doing, as you are going, <laughs> just start talking to people. Just start preaching what I told you to preach. Give them the message that I told you to give them. And by doing that, <laughs> they were going to find out who to stay with and who not to stay with, even within the children of Israel who they were to rely on, and who were they not to rely on. Who they were going to give peace, and who they were going to take peace back from them. And that's interesting because it's going, well, wait a minute. You said, if I go in, whoever's worthy, if I find out who's worthy, and and, and let my peace go. But But then he says, 
But if it turns out that as you're living with them, you find out, mm, I can't leave my peace here. You take it back from them. <laughs> and I just love this because these guys, they're going, okay, we have this power. I don't feel anything different right now. I just know I'm not supposed to go to Samaria and I'm not going, supposed to go to the Gentiles. So let's go there. And they get there. It's like, hey, Peter, who are we going to talk to? I don't know. But there's a crowd. Let's go talk to them. <laughs> what are we going to say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we'll take it from there. I love that because oftentimes we're going, well, I don't know what to say and what not to say. It's like, me either sometimes. I just show up and it's like, all righty then. <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about baseball. <laughs> and maybe that will lead into... <laughs> Again, man, it's like they had no clue what they were doing. I love that. But Jesus was very specific about what they were supposed to do and gave them detail. He just said, don't go there, don't go there, go there. And what? Preach. And when the opportunity arises, you heal, you touch, you cast out, you raise up the dead. You do all those things. The power that I've given you, you're going to be blown away. Just go do as you are going. <laughs> as you are going. And I love the fact that Jesus prepared them for disappointment. <laughs> Get used to disappointment. He told them not everybody's going to receive this message. Not everybody, even those who should, are going to receive this message. I think he was telling them, don't take it personal. It's really hard not to sometimes, especially with those who you love. Those in your own household or those who are very, very close to you, especially when you just come to the Lord and go, man, this is stinking amazing. I've never had a life like this. Let me go tell everybody what Jesus has done in my life. And they're going, yeah, yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> you read this portion, you're walking out of their house going, <laughs> on you. Right? <laughs> kind of like, what are you doing? It's like shaking the dust. It's not dusty in here. It's like, you'll understand one day. <laughs> a Christian thing. Shake the dust. <laughs> no, they were just supposed to go and preach what Jesus told them to preach. What they had received freely, they were so, supposed to freely give. And it wasn't up to them to make sure that they understood it all so that everybody got saved. It wasn't up to them. They didn't manufacture this power. They didn't manufacture the, the message. They just went and preached what they were supposed to go preach. And Jesus says, not everybody's going to listen. And when you walk away, just dust it off. Don't take it personal. These were ordinary men who were now struck with the reality that some people would not receive what they had. But they were continuing, and they were expected to continue to, to, to do what they had been called to do. They were expected to do that. And he says, at the end, just shake it off. Don't take it personal. And I'm sure it broke their hearts. It broke their hearts. I'm sure it wasn't a rejoicing thing when they just like, oh, shake it all off. I'm sure it broke their hearts whenever they had to shake it off. Because they knew 
what the message had done for them. And yet people were going to reject it. And they also understood what verse 15 said. Where, where, where Jesus tells them, after you shake it off, he didn't say you have to tell them this. <laughs> he just said, Assuredly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He didn't say, and tell them, make sure they understand that they're going to hell. That it's going to be bad for them. I'm not saying that we can't share that with them. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> he just didn't say, he just says, shake it off. It will be, it's not going to turn out good for them. Now, most of us, we know the judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus is saying that for the nation of Israel, those who reject the message, they will face a worse judgment than fire and brimstone. In other words, on the final judgment that we've covered in the book of Revelation, he, Jesus, will be more lenient or show more leniency, clemency, and tolerance on Sodom and Gomorrah than those who heard the message of repentance and did nothing with it. Again, even though our text this morning was for a specific time and for a particular mission, the principles are still applicable for us today. Oh, there are times that God calls us for specific tasks as individuals and as a church. And He will show us what to do, where to go, and what to say. But our main mission as the church of Jesus Christ will always be where the apostles and those who have gone before us left off. We are to pick that up. We are to pick up the mantle of the gospel to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That is our main mission. If God calls you to go out to all the world as he has called the church to go do that and that's what we do but when he has called you for something specific be obedient to it he will teach you he will show you what you are to do when you are to do it and my encouragement to you as my brothers and sisters and to us as a church is as we are going on our way as we are doing this preach and touch people's lives amen let's pray Father in heaven, thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. All that you have shown us, Father. Lord, even as we get a glimpse of what you were doing 2,000 years ago with your disciples, Lord, as you had called them already to follow after you, and now you were sending them out for a particular mission, Lord. God, we thank you for the detail that you give us through your word, Lord. We thank you that these men were faithful, to go do what you had called them to go do, Lord God. What an example for us, Lord. Lord, as we will read later on in this chapter, Lord, the warnings that you gave them of where they would be <laughs> and what would happen to them. 
Lord, you prepared them for all of that, just like you've prepared us through your word, Lord God, of what will happen to us when we stand for righteousness' sake. When we, when we walk in the Spirit and the things that will come against us because this world is this world and it does what it's supposed to do <laughs> and it is an enemy of God. Help us to stand firm, but help us to walk in the Spirit, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Go with them now, Lord God, to apply all these principles that we have in your Word into their lives, Lord. I do pray that if there's any, Lord, this morning who have come through those doors who don't know you, Lord. Lord, they, they would never even call themselves a disciple right now, much less an apostle, one who was sent out. But Lord, maybe they are the ones that, that you wanted to reach this morning that are lost. And you want to bring them into the fold this morning, Lord. I pray that God, you would prepare their hearts for salvation right now. That even as I pray over these people, that they would receive, Lord God, your kindness that they would repent from their sin and that they would come to know you, Lord, on a personal level. If that's you this morning, if you're here this morning and you need salvation like that, maybe as I was praying for you, you were already praying, Lord, help me, forgive me. That today would be the day that salvation comes into your life. Is there anybody this morning that, again, as I've been praying for you, you've received that? Just raise your hand. I just want to praise God for, for just touching you. Amen. Amen. See your hand. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Father, I do pray, God, that you would just truly reveal the newness of life into these people who have raised their hand this morning, Lord. I thank you for touching them, Lord God, that you have brought them in, that they have received the message of repentance because you are here, Lord God, and you want to be their God. And I pray that God, as they ask for forgiveness, desire a new life, you'll do that work in their life. And we thank you. And as a church, we rejoice, Lord, that you have brought salvation into this place. Blessed be your name, for you are good, O Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.